All right, Matthew, we're live. We just got some really cool little countdown thing. I got to get ready, clear my throat. I feel like I'm I'm in the zone now after that. I was definitely kind of grooving. Yeah, I, I felt I felt good about that choice also. Hey, Matthew, happy uh, Thanksgiving Eve. It's nice to see your face. I haven't seen you in a week-ish. What better and, way to spend uh, it? Thanksgiving Eve, partying <laughs> up here with the... Uh, the fine folks that are already populating the chat over here uh, Have they after, been? after a tough four to three loss for the Sabres. Yeah, it's been a tough one here. So uh, let me uh, let it get us going. As, as previously established, I'm really good at launching podcasts. So um, welcome everyone to the Baker Fairburn Hockey Show. Uh, recapping everything Sabres here tonight following the Sabres 4-3 overtime loss in Washington. Paterka Benson, nice goal from Benson. I'm sure we'll talk about him. And Dylan Cousins, your goal scorers tonight. Victor Olofsson with a pair of assists. Devin Levi makes 26 saves on 30 shots. So here we are, Matthew. We've talked about the Thanksgiving benchmark and, you know, the old adage in the hockey world, you have to be in playoff position by Thanksgiving if you're truly going to be a contender. The Sabres now sitting at eight, nine, and two, and they find themselves at with a minus seven goal differential, and they're in a lottery position. Familiar territory for the Sabres. Just three points out, though, I believe, of a wild card spot. A little early for that kind of talk, but it is the Thanksgiving benchmark that the, everyone loves, including your peers in the media. So I figure we'll throw that out there to chew on. A lot going on, Matthew, in the, uh, in the Sabres sphere. Jonah Bronstein is watching us, by the way, since he is a uh, mutual friend. I thought we'd throw his face up. LeBronstein, for those that don't follow LeBronstein on Twitter, one of the best Twitter handles in the history of social media. Um, so, Matthew, let's get right into it, I guess. Uh, let's start with the game. We uh, saw the Sabres play a pretty good Washington team tonight, a beatable Washington team. And uh, I, I liked the Sabres kind of jump that they had, I think, in the beginning of the game. But um, any takeaways here? I'm going to pass it over to you. I'm going to pass the puck to you. I, I, I want to get to Zach Benson. I don't know if that's where you want to lead off tonight, but what were your just takeaways on this game as I head into this Thanksgiving break? Yeah, it's tough to see them losing games that way. They get a point, right? So you finish the trip 1-1-1, one, one, and one. not the worst three-game road trip that you could have. But it feels like there was missed opportunity in Winnipeg on Friday night. And it feels like this was a missed opportunity with a two to nothing lead at one point and then a three to two lead late in the game. You let Tom Wilson get open, uh, you know, for a one timer in the slot. And then what I thought was a, a bit of a, I don't know if care, probably careless is the right word, play at the end of overtime to shoot that puck and then by Dylan cousins and then pinch in a little too deep. The odd man rush goes the other way with, you know, 10 seconds left and a goal that Devin Levi probably should have had. So then you're sitting here that close to going for a, a two and one road trip and having a little bit of a different feeling about the Sabres and then seeing them lose games like that against the team that they're going to be fighting for playoff position with. It's not an, not Again. the most, not the yeah. most inspiring end to the road trip, but there are some big picture things to take in with this team in the three games since we last spoke and all is not lost 
but the pattern is developing, right? Like losing these close games, letting down in, in some key spots and a lack of a consistent push. Like you mentioned, they had at the top. So plenty to get into and, and attack it from all different angles, but I'm sure there's some, some people out there watching that are frustrated to see a, a similar pattern developing in some of these losses. Well, in we're 19 games in and they still have won two games in a row just once all year. So think about that. You're almost a quarter of the way into the season and you're losing, winning, losing, winning. Like you can't put together a winning streak. Like we came into the month of November thinking, okay, you got to break a, a few wins in a row off now. Haven't gotten it done. But at least, Matthew, they did score a power play goal tonight. They needed that one, man. It felt <laughs> like, and Dylan Cousins needed that one more importantly uh, and bubble boy you know yeah. i mentioned the play at the end of the game that wasn't my favorite from dylan cousins but that was a nice goal and he looked more himself for stretches of this game still some work to be done there but that was a nice power play goal he needs to get that bubble off whenever whenever time allows because it's in his head regardless of whether it should be impacting his play it he keeps vocalizing that it is impacting his play. And so it appears to be in his head to an extent and they need to get him out of his head. They need to get him scoring goals and driving offense the way he did last season, especially while Tage Thompson is out. There's this massive opportunity for him on the top line and on the power play. So this is, uh, you know, that was needed from him. And, and so maybe that play at the end of overtime, bad result, but, at least he was shooting, I guess, you know, after the game, he said, you, you don't want to play scared in overtime. And, uh, you know, you certainly don't want Dylan cousins playing scared ever, but could have been a little smarter with the puck, but yeah, you like, you like that goal for Dylan cousins because the power play needed it. The Sabres needed it at the time going up three, two, and he needed it. Hadn't scored since October 27th before that goal. Wow. I, I meant to go back and look when, when the exact date was of his last goal. I'm glad that you brought that up because that's that's too long for Dylan Cousins to be going dry like that. Cousins did have three shots on goal tonight, but came out on the wrong side of the Corsi. 10-4, uh, 15 against, went on the ice. But on the flip side of that, Zach Benson gets his first goal as an NHL player. Had a pretty good game tonight. One of the Sabres better forwards tonight. I don't want to gloat. I don't want to, you know, I like to, I was raised to be a good winner, but uh, he was plus 285, by the way, for an anytime goal score tonight. So cha-ching on that one. But um, well, I'm glad you put your money where your, your mouth was there. You know, yes. I, as a good teammate, I, I had to pump your tires on Twitter a little bit and I knew you wouldn't brag yourself. So I had to share that, that you did text me about 15 minutes before he scored saying Zach Benson's going to score tonight. And sure enough, you know, he's been around the net. He's been Felt staring down. He's been staring down chances. And actually, Chris, this was the one thing that was starting to give me a little bit of pause in the last few games about keeping him around is, is he, is he squeezing the stick a little bit looking for that first one? Is it, is the goal scoring, you know, the, the confidence to, to finish because we saw he had that one chance, maybe it was against Winnipeg or Chicago. One of the last two games where he passed it off. Uh, at the last second, and he could have shot. And I'm thinking, uh, is he starting to second-guess himself as a scorer at this level? And maybe that year of dominating junior would have you know, a pretty big benefit. Then he scores like that. You kidding me? I, don't, <laughs> I mean, I don't, think, I don't think there's a whole lot of concern about, about confidence 
and uh, you know, the word guts was thrown around by Don Granado. I mean, that was for your first NHL goal to go between the legs in tight like that, you know, that was, that was pretty crazy. And it was the necessary play. It was the necessary move. He was not scoring on the back end. Like, no, he was going to get shut down and he got the goalie to bite hard because it felt like that was his only move. And then he pulls that off. And that is Don Granado said, we, we talked about it last week. We recorded on Thursday and that was the day that Don Granado said, these three games will be big. If that is the case, he could not have done a whole lot more than he did in these three games An assist against Winnipeg and assist against Chicago and the goal in that fashion. And he was on the ice late. He was on the ice in overtime. Unlike we saw with, with Matt Savoy in his game where he was pulled off. And even in some other games where they've limited Benson's third period ice time, not tonight. He was, he looked like one of their best forwards and he's somebody that is going to make the team better. Right. This is what we talked about at, at the end of training camp. He is making the team better. He's giving them a chance. He's helping them not win tonight uh, because they didn't win, but he is helping them. He is contributing to the offense. He's contributing all over the ice. So he made a pretty loud statement about wanting to stick around. I, I, I just love the, the pressure element of it. Like Don Granado, I think probably was intentional about saying these three games will be big. Raise the stakes for him a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Let him hear that and let him say, okay, and then let him respond. And so here he is in his last game before the decision has to be made. And he, he goes and tries to pull off that move, a move that could get you, if you're in your head and you're, and you're worried as an NHL or at 18, that could get you stapled to the bench by some coaches, right? If it doesn't work, Don Granado's yeah. not really that type of coach, but to pull it off, that was there there was some pressure there and he just hasn't felt pressure this whole time i've loved him lately um you know i well a couple things i guess you mentioned like is he gripping the stick or not you know like kind of you were questioning that like waiting for him to kind of get that first one on the board i don't think that he's the type of kid that feels pressure like that i don't i've never gotten the the sense from him that he would get rattled that way just because he's always out there playing his game and he knows that he's going to get an opportunity. I, I I just think that's his mentality and you can see it. He's fearless and the way that he plays. I think he knew himself. I felt it coming just watching the games. I'm sure he felt it also. Um, you know, we talked about young players. I think of Steven Stamkos going way back when he came into the league at 18 and I think Melrose was his coach at the time and they sat him, they put him up in the press box. And you and I talked about this in preseason training camp. It's like classroom session. They did it with Paterka later in the year, last year, take him off the ice, put him up top, have him watch process, come back down and they're better players. I think that's what happened with Benson when he was hurt. Cause he's been excellent since he's come back his past couple of games, that play that he made on the Darlene goal, that was Chicago, right? Yes. I think I believe it, so. yeah. it was that play. I think I texted you during the game and I was like, Oh, I think he's staying right. <laughs> like for me, I think that's kind of when, and I know it's one play, but it wasn't the only play that he's made this year that made an impression because it wasn't just the pass to get the assist. It was that sequence leading up to what ultimately was a primary assist on that play. I think it was, yeah, it was primary. So, for me, I'm not saying he's staying all year, 
but I think it's safe to say he's going to play the next game. He's going to, the, the meter's going to start running on the contract. Well, I'm glad you brought that point up because yes, this is a line in the sand, right? You burn the year of the entry level contract. And so there is a decision. This is a decision point in there. There is something that changes if he plays the next game. It is also not the end of the world if he goes back later. If, if he hits a wall at some point and needs to go back later, that you burned a year of the entry-level contract. It's not... In fact, in some cases, it can turn out to be a decent thing. You know, you get you get him to RFA status earlier. You can... If he's the player you think he is, you want to get him locked up, you know, sooner. And so it... With how you stagger contracts, I just don't... I wouldn't be panicked about burning a year of the entry-level contract, even if he doesn't stay the whole year. And I understand that this is a decision point, so it's not to downplay that part of it, but just to let, you know, remind people that he can go back later and it won't have been a waste. You know, th this is all good for his development. And you make a, a great point about the way he plays probably did contribute to him not pressing and not worrying about the goal because I think a lot of players in that situation in his spot, 18, 19, 20, these elite offensive players who are jumping into the NHL and they've always been elite offensive players and they're really, that's how they make their impression. That's what they're worried about, scoring, scoring. Zach Benson probably doesn't feel as much pressure because he knows he's contributing in other ways. He's He knows he's doing other things that are helping create offense, helping you know, break the puck out of the zone, helping turn the puck over at times or keep the four check going in the offensive zone. So there's a, a confidence about him in that way where he knows the only, he doesn't need to put the puck in the back of the net all the time to be a positive driver for the team. And that's different than a lot of players that age, I feel like that are at this level. So that's a, a great sign. And he has been, Really, the only time he looked like he was a bit off was right before he came out of the lineup with the injury. And now I'm thinking he was in, he was hurting, right? He was playing through and, and having a tough time playing through something. Uh, not that I didn't think he was hurt before, but you realize he must have been in quite a bit of pain given the amount of time he missed and the jump in his game from, I'd say, the game and a half to two games before he let, you know, came out of the lineup to now it's been great. So the time up top, I'm sure helped right to, yeah. to watch the game and sit back, but he's fresh now and he's healthy again. And when he's healthy, that's going to be a challenge at 18 playing through injury, playing through the bumps and bruises. You don't always get to take, you know, a couple weeks off with every Nick, but, and I, who knows how significant this one was, but it feels to me it must have been pretty significant because he's taken a, a big jump after, you know, getting some time to heal up. Play such an honest game. You know, that's kind of part of the background for me thinking that I don't think he's a kid that would grip the stick just because he just plays such an honest game. He's hustling out there. I just love his pursuit of the puck. I mean, there's such every, there's, it's a series of small plays that he's made since day one that lead me to believe that. Well, first of all, I don't want to oversell it, but he's been one of the better players for the on the team <laughs> lately, okay? You have a team now that iced a roster tonight with 11 forwards, 
now that it's not a question of is he going to stick around it's are they even going to send him to world juniors right honestly and again it's only one goal that he scored but it's not about the points it's about the contribution it's about the fact that he's on a line with Middlestat Paterka, who's really going pretty well, I would say. So I don't know, man. I just, I, I wanted to kind of put that baby to bed, I think. I think it's pretty clear now. I think someone asked Granado tonight, which I don't know if that's the right time to ask him. Like he's processing a loss of what happened. Is like, is he going to play like a 10th game? You know, I don't expect Don to answer the question there, but I think it's an obvious answer. And I just want to be clear on that. You're the, you're, with me on that i yeah 100 percent. i've thought it that this these three games cemented it and i i think they were wise to not put it in ink before these three games because it was a long layoff and you wanted to see how we responded to the time up top and, and everything we talked about how could he have responded much better than he did i love that you mentioned games. raise the stakes because I think that's exactly what he did in retrospect. It I felt like that. About that. Don yeah, Granado is yeah. pretty intentional about, you know, what he says and is very, you know, has a great track record developing players. And so he likes to find these different pressure moments or these different ways to, you know, create pressure. And that felt like, uh, you know, a, a moment of honesty. Don Granado is a pretty honest guy. Uh, he's pretty upfront about, you know, what he's thinking, but the byproduct was some pressure for Zach Benson on his first long NHL road trip. You know, that's another part of this, right? He's going on the road for the first time. He's going to have some off days. How's he going to handle himself? And he was ready to play all three games, probably had the best outside of Rasmus Dahlin. He might have been their best player on the road trip. That's that's saying something. Again, 18 years old, unbelievable. So, yeah, I mean, now I think it, the, the conversation is going to sh shift to World Juniors. Again, I mean, how do you go, like, if you have 11 forwards right now that you deem worthy of playing in the NHL and then you're going to take one away to send them to an under-20 tournament? Right. I, I At this I moment, know. if the tournament were next week, you you know, if the camp were next week or – it's coming up. It's it's in a couple weeks, but yeah, yeah. Uh, there's still some time. But if it were next week, I don't know that you can you can take them off your roster to go do that. I mean, it's a it's a good development opportunity, but what better development opportunity than than playing in the NHL and playing well in the NHL like he is? So I don't know. I want to see how I feel in the morning, you know, because I'm the guy that's always a proponent of sending the kids, let them be kids, let them go be leaders and play for their country and, and all that stuff especially if you haven't done it before. And, you know, am I riding a high of him just scoring this gem of a goal? But also it's not just the goal. I keep saying that, you know, I have to remind myself that it's not a high. It's not a buzz. Um, it's so steady. I, I want to keep steady thinking about and it's that. Constant. It is. And yeah. the good thing is they don't have to decide about that for a little while. There, a lot's going to happen between now and when they have to decide that. And that could be, Another chance if he's starting to hit another little bit of a lull to say, okay, this will be not sitting up in the press box, but in a sense, taking a drop down, you know, almost like sending a guy to the minors to, to recollect himself. If they feel like he needs that, it's perfect because it's not a punishment, right? He's getting mm -hmm. to go play for his country. He's getting to go play at the, 
at the world juniors, you know, probably link up with some, some of his old junior teammates who I think will be old junior teammates. Now they won't be current junior teammates, um, at any point, but I think with Benson, the Benson conversation, and you've brought it up a couple of times, the 11, seven thing tonight, right? And I was just looking at the defenseman ice time tonight. Yeah. Let's talk about and the, the, yeah. the forward depth that we've kind of hammered home on, but we, we also have some comments here and I think there, you know, some legitimate questions about what, what exactly are they after here? with the, the seven defenseman thing, what decisions need to be made by the coaching staff, by management to get this roster more to a spot where, you know, there's a lineup that they can trust sending out there night after night, rather than right now, it seems like they have 11 forwards. I don't even know if they have 11 forwards that they feel really good about right now, but if you feel good about 12 of them, you're probably not doing 11 and seven. And the seven defensemen thing is just because it seems like they don't want to take Connor Clifton or Yokoharu or Eric Johnson out of the lineup. And because Ryan Johnson is forcing their hand in that regard, the same way Zach Benson has at forward. I think it, you know, I'll pull up Kevin's comment here when we mentioned Benson being one of the better players, it bodes bad for the rest of the team that I I don't want to knock Benson because he has played well. Right. But I think it's a good point by Kevin that same goes for Ryan Johnson on the back end. You did not want a rookie to jump in and be outshining guys that are making 3 million bucks. You don't want an 18 year old, to jump in and have to be the savior of a forward group that scored the third most goals in hockey last year. So some of these tough decisions, quote unquote, that these young players are, are forcing the Sabres into could have been preventable with, you know, building, building your roster a little bit differently. That would have given you more, more lineup flexibility. Ryan Johnson may be different in the sense that they did add a couple of veteran defensemen and still here he is pushing for time. But you have, Chris, you have eight defensemen and three goalies on the roster right now. That's, yeah, I don't know what the end game is with that. That's um, not a common it, construction. No, I was just going to say it's a very odd, odd construction. And, you know, if Ryan Johnson's the guy that's kind of forcing their hand to go 11 and 7, I don't know if you looked at the ice time for the defenseman tonight. And I don't think it was necessarily situational, but you know which defenseman had the least ice time? Ryan Johnson. 10 minutes and 15 seconds if these numbers on NHL.com are right, which I don't know if you can ever trust this damn league website. But I thought I thought that that was a little peculiar, you know, because you have Darlene, of course, leading the way at 27 plus. Owen Power comes in a shade under 24, Samuelson the shade under 20. And then you have, you know, Johnson, Yoki, how are you in the 12, 13 minute range? Clifton at 14 minutes and Ryan Johnson at 10 minutes and 15 seconds. So it adds another layer of questioning the roster construction for me, anyways. If this is the guy that's kind of forced in your hand, what's Which up? It with seems the like there? it, right? Because <laughs> it made sense, and maybe this is the case, but it made sense when he first went eleven seven. Samuelson was it? Samuelson was coming back into the lineup, and they wanted to kind of, you know, e- ease him back in. Yeah, and you know that was. 
that was fine. And that construction is fine. If maybe the only thing I could think of right now is that is there another guy dinged up that's that's playing through something that they're trying to to have Ryan Johnson ready and have him there to take some of the the workload away from another player. In which case, that's still tough, right? To to have seven defensemen on a nightly basis, and you're putting extra strain on your forward group, and without much depth there to begin with. So, and again, Ryan Johnson has played really well, but also probably would benefit from sitting in the press box once once in a while, right? Or yeah. who? wouldn't benefit from, you know, whether it's a veteran or, or whoever in that, that blue line group from a little competition, right? Light a little bit of a fire. I, they've been good. They've been better defensively. They haven't been outstanding defensively. They've been better than they were last year, but they have not been outstanding. So a little competition is not a bad thing. I know you want Ryan Johnson playing games. You want him getting ice time. I don't think rotating him out of the lineup would be a bad thing for him at all being around this group, being around Eric Johnson, around some of these veteran players. But as it's constructed right now, continuing to turn to the 11-7 thing only makes sense to me if there's an injury that that we don't know the extent of. I know Yoki Haru was sick, and so that was contributing to some of it. He was coming back into the lineup after being out with a with an illness for for a few days. But you know, at some point, something's got to give with this roster, I think. No, I agree. I I agree. It's I I don't know, you know, where they're going to go with that because the easy decision for me on the roster is to, you know, address the goaltending situation. Do you need three? I mean, right now, I think Comrie's played once since he came back from his injury. That was, and it wasn't that long ago. It was a week ago, right? That was the Winnipeg game. Winnipeg game on Friday. He and his wife had a baby over the weekend, but he was back with the team. Uh, rejoined them in Chicago by not for the game. I don't think, but by the time, you know, they had an off day and a practice day there. So he was back with the team. So he's only played once they've gone UPL. Let's pull this up actually. Yeah. I didn't, I wanted to check the pattern. It seems like they're, they've been alternating like tonight. Like I had a preference tonight to and I've stated this before. I think you know, play a goalie until he loses. And tonight it would have been went with tonight, but instead, you know, they've been going and rotating back and forth. And a great addition to the soundboard there. Henry Yoki, how are you calling out the lineup card? We needed uh, something there, but cool. I, I would have went with UPL tonight. But you know, there's a lot of heat in the chat, especially coming uh, off of the performance tonight, that the easy answer is for Devin Levi to go down. You and I have talked about this in the past, and I know you want to check the, is it, has it been an alternating situation with the exception of that Comrie start? I have it up right now. So they, Devin Levi came back against Toronto, which was the second game of a back-to-back. Saturday, in Canada, right? Lukanen had played five games in a row before that. Levi comes back, plays Saturday. It went Levi, Lukanen, Levi, Lukanen, Levi, Comrie, Lukanen, Levi. With Levi being tonight against Washington. So 
it's basically been back and forth with a Comrie sprinkled in on Friday after Devin Levi had been pulled from his previous game. So, yeah, not, you know, it essentially has been a rotation, which Don Granado said they were, it seemed like they were going to try to get away from until somebody grabbed the net. And it felt like Lukanen grabbed the net on Sunday. I, I think so too. I, I, I'm surprised that they didn't break that rotation and I wouldn't be surprised also. So the Sabres come back on Friday and they have Pittsburgh at home. And that would be one week from Comrie's last start. I wouldn't be shocked if they put Comrie out there. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it could happen. I mean, and this is what's tough for, for Uko Pekalukanen is that of the three, I feel like he has earned it the most. Comrie okay. has played well. Comrie has played well. And Comrie, but then Comrie got injured. And while he was injured, Uko Pekalukanen was solid. Uh, Held the, the fourth down. Part. He had a Comrie has the best goals against average. Of he the does three. small sample, right? He hasn't small played sample, a lot. But, he hasn't played yeah. a lot. But all of them have small samples. That's true. <laughs> None of them have played all that much because they're splitting it between three guys. So you have a couple of questions that you need to answer is probably starts with one. Are you willing to send Devin Levi down to the AHL? That's probably okay. the, the place to start. And I don't know that they are willing to do that. It didn't feel like it. We got a little factor fiction here. Factor fiction. Is it time to get Devin Levi to the AHL? Does it, does he need to get some time in the AHL? We have a couple comments on this as well. I've wrote earlier in earlier in the week about this sort of situation that the Sabres have put Devin Levi in, whether they put too much on him too soon. People who listened to the show last week, you know, know a lot of what I was what was rattling around in my brain on that. I talked to Andrew Raycroft, who won the Calder 20 years ago as a goalie, one of two goalies to win it in the last 20 years, which is essentially what the Sabres were placing upon Devin Levi in terms of expectations is to be in that conversation, right? They wanted him to be the starter and they're expecting to make the playoffs. If those two things happen, you're going to be in the Calder conversation. And one of the things Raycroft kept bringing up was that they shouldn't be locked in on this idea that he absolutely cannot go down. You know, that they shouldn't paint themselves into a corner. Kevin Adams mentioned at the beginning of the offseason that just because it's always been done one way doesn't mean every player, you know, he wants every situation to be different. And we brought up, and in the chat, there's some people that have mentioned long list of goalies that played a ton of time in the AHL, uh, Ryan Miller, Connor Hellebuck, you name it. And the Sabres didn't want to use that as a reason to put Devin Levi in the AHL, which is fine. What I think they also should not do is take their original thought or plan or hope, belief in Devin Levi and what they envisioned this season to be for him they should not take that and use that as reason to keep him out of the AHL. Right. I don't think that, you know, I don't think that is any way to, to develop a player, especially a goalie. Do I think now is the time to go to the AHL? I'm a little bit on the fence because I don't think he's played poorly enough to need it. 
I don't think his confidence is shaken at all, which is part of why they've been comfortable with him here. He has not played well. He has not gone out and looked like a starting goalie. And even in this game against Washington that we're recording this after, the overtime goal, you'd love for him to have that. Two-on-one, power takes away the pass, he gets beat short side. You'd love for him to have that. And so I'm a little bit torn in the sense that I have no problem with him being in the AHL. They have made it a little bit more dramatic if he goes to the AHL because of how they've they've set all this up. Normally, if you got a rookie goalie and you send him to the AHL for a few games, especially when you have three, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But because of how he's been built up and the expectations that have been set, things are going to be a little bit different. The other piece is the roster part. It's one of the simplest solutions to their logjam is to get him down and let him play some games. And until you have a little bit more clarity with your roster, and maybe you can bring him back up. Even a brief stint down there, which again, should not be a dramatic ordeal. He's a goalie. He's He's got very limited pro experience. He's coming from college hockey. It should not be a big deal. And yet, it feels like even a week or two down there might, you know, throw up some some signals in the in the fan base or whatever. You know, people would it would be talked about more than it would it, be in other places. <laughs> it would be talked about. I I think this is fiction, just to be clear. I mean, it's compelling conversation, no doubt. I think there's a defenseman sitting there that they could make a move on if they wanted to. And I don't think that they would be, they have plenty of depth in Rochester if they needed to add an eighth back to the, the active roster. And yeah, J- Jacob Bryson, who you're talking about, I, that's been yeah. my thought on this. When people are like, ah, oh, should it be Rusek? Should it be Ryan Johnson? Should it be Levi? I'm like you could just wave Jacob <laughs> Bryson who, even when he's in the lineup, they don't seem to trust. Yet I don't think that Devin Levi is playing up to his standard. We don't know what his NHL standard is, but I think his own personal standard. I don't think he's played himself out into the AHL. The only situation, so like the way that it was posed is it's time, right? Is it time right now in the present moment to get him some time in the AHL? And I don't think it is. It The conversation might change if they throw Comrie out there, he gets a shutout. Then they go to, you know, and they of course won't stay with the hot hand. Then they throw Luke in it in there and he gets a shutout and they start winning games. And then maybe it's okay. We got to get Levi some minutes and he can move freely. Then you do it. But I don't think I'm there yet right now. I don't think he's played himself down to the AHL. And I don't think that any other goalie to your earlier point has made it their job and forced him aside. Kind of like what happened to Mika Norton. Great story by Tim Graham. In the athletic for those that haven't. So number one, if you're not subscribing to the athletic and I'm not a shill, I don't write for the athletic. I used to a long time ago and it was fun. I have no ill will. I don't, I'm not paid shill for the athletic. If you're not subscribing, subscribe. If you are a subscriber, you haven't read Tim Graham's story yet about Mika Noren and where he is now. It's a fascinating story. It's a great story. We're going back. What was he? 98. Is that 98? Either way, it doesn't matter. It's insignificant. Um, but it talks about the damage that being part of a three headed monster with Ryan Miller and Marty Baran, but also along the way, Bob Asenza along the way at one point, Peter Scudra, that was uh, so many names from the past. Like, yeah. And, and meanwhile, he was capable. Norton was capable. He had a couple rough stretches, but 
go. I'm not going to blow it. Uh, if you haven't read it, please go check it out. Really, really great story. Tim always does an awesome job. Um, but the damage that it can do being part of this like three headed monster, <laughs> you know what I mean? And here we are again. And that's later, where you, you worry about yeah. Uko Pekalukinen, right? Because he's there's a lot of similarities between the two situations where it feels like he's this forgotten guy, right? He's not the young hotshot prospect anymore. That's Devin Levi. And Eric yeah. Comrie is not quite a Marty Baran because he's not as experienced and proven in the NHL, but he is kind of the older veteran type that you'd like to pair with your young hotshot prospect. And here you have this other hotshot prospect once, once upon a time, Uko Pekalukinen, just like uh, Nornan was. And it's a, it's gotta be a frustrating situation for Lukanen in the sense that if he doesn't play on Friday, he'll have gone almost a week again between he's on the Craig Anderson plan at at this point after playing a good game on Sunday. So that's where managing and it's a good point by you though. Eric Comrie how he let's say he plays Friday, wh whoever plays Friday. You need the other two to get more of a rhythm in order to feel more compelled to send Devin Levi down or Devin Levi needs to struggle a bit more than he has. He has not, like I said, been great, but he has not been, you know, a complete disaster either. But it is one thing that's interesting to me about it. And Devin Levi was on Spit and Chicklets this week, and I listened to that, and he said some said a lot of stuff that he's that he's said about his own, you know, development before, but hearing him expand on these decisions along the way to stay patient in his mm -hmm. development, stay at a lower league a little bit longer, stay in college one more year. That philosophy appears to have gone out the window now. Right? Not at his, uh, yeah, out of his control, obviously. Well, yeah, not entirely out of his control. He has, True. Yeah. you know, he was he was sitting at the table when the, the contract conversations were happening. Undoubtedly, his development plan was discussed. Uh, I think, you know, when he wanted to go back to Northeastern, the organization was very supportive uh, and appreciated the patient approach. So it felt it feels like the way Kevin Adams handles these things, very much a two-way street, right? An open conversation between player and organization on what the best path is. Not to say that it is entirely Devin Levi's choice, but just to say he's not, uh, he has a voice, right? He had a voice here. And, and so the patient approach can be okay. And you can look at it from both, both sides where mentally he's outstanding, right? He's, he's pretty special in terms of how he thinks the game, his confidence, all these things. So on the one hand, it's a good reason to trust him to work through whatever struggles he has in the NHL. It's also a reason to not worry about shaking his confidence. If you have to send him to the AHL at some mm -hmm. point. So that's a, another 
longer Devin Levi conversation than we probably <laughs> needed to have, but it's going to keep popping up. And it's one that obviously people in the chat are, you know, are, are having and, you know, a question people are wondering about, especially because of the roster, you know, juggling that they've had going on and, and trying to figure out, it'd be nice to have a, a Lukash Rusek up here to round out this. this well, that's what I wanted group, to ask you, know? you, Matt. That's what I wanted to ask you because, you know, you, you started going down a path and talking about Bryson and I just totally torpedoed you. I stepped all over you on that. I, I know you want to get back to that thought probably, but it kind of, I think blends into continuing on the discussion about this 11 and seven and how do you get back to 12 forwards being out there. And I can, I can see a scenario where you keep the three goalies on the roster, you move Bryson down, you find another forward to bring up and maybe rotate into the lineup as that 12th forward on any given night. Maybe it is a Lucas Rusek. Decent game tonight. He's been okay. Back down in Rochester a couple of games. I mean, but, um, what, what was your, do you want to finish up on Bryson? Do you remember what you were about to say? Because I kind of, I stepped on you. No, I, I pretty much what we've said, if you're not going, when he is in the lineup, they don't seem to want to play him a lot. Yeah. They don't seem to trust him very much. And so it seems like his, you know, I like Jacob Bryson. I've, I've enjoyed, you know, following, you know, his career the last few years, but if you don't trust him, then he's not of a ton of use as a seventh defenseman. It seems the most utility there is that he's not a threat to push one of the other guys out of the lineup. And Ryan Johnson is. So that's where as a seventh defenseman, I think Ryan Johnson is great. It's a question of for his development. Do you want him playing a ton of games? Maybe. But the way he's played at the NHL level makes me feel like he's, especially given all the college hockey he played, he's ready, a lot more ready than other yeah. you know, young defensemen might be. And playing a part-time role in the NHL might not be the worst thing for him rather than playing every night in the AHL. So I don't have a problem with him as a seventh defenseman, especially because from a utility standpoint in your lineup, winning hockey games, Chris, a thing that yeah. uh, teams in this league <laughs> do try to do uh, from time to time. Yeah. He can play both sides. He can play with everybody. I think he has almost played with everybody at this point. Jacob Bryson is playing on your third pair and he's not playing a lot of minutes based on how they've used him this season. Ryan Johnson could spend the night with Rasmus Dahlin. If Matias Samuelson's nicked up, he could play with Eric Johnson. If, if Connor Clifton's out, you know, he could yeah. play with Owen power. He was skating there at one point. He can play all over that. That's what you want in a seventh defenseman. So I'm not here advocating for them to replace Eric Johnson or Connor Clifton, or, you know, I think it's just okay to have him around as your seventh guy wave Bryson. So you can get an extra forward in here and have a bit more of a, normal roster construction, have an extra forward that you can rotate into the lineup. That's where you really need the competition and, and the bodies and then go from there. You know, whether it's maybe you bring Rusek up, Tage Thompson gets healthy in a few weeks. You know, there's going to be decisions with Tage Thompson gets healthy. Jack Quinn gets healthy as he's getting closer, but I agree three, you know, three goalies, seven defensemen, eight defensemen on the roster. It's too much. I'd rather see him use a log jam at D, 
let the goalie still kind of figure it out. They brought it this long. Let them keep going. Um, I'm not going to go there on the Levi thing again. I think we've been here. Um, I'm just going to clean out a couple of the comments, if you don't mind, Matthew. Uh, Benson's a keeper. Yeah, great ending at Laval, by the way. Yeah, so really good game for the Amherst tonight. They were actually in a 2 nothing hole battle back. Uh, young guys, as you can imagine, in Rochester. Most of them are young guys. Really good uh, game from Victor Nychev. He's coming along nicely in his development. Yuri Kulik, game winner. Yuri Kulik's been a hot topic, as has Isak Rosane lately. Kind of works into what we were just talking about. If it's not Brandon Byro or... Lucas Rusak, who have already gotten looks at some point, maybe one of those 20 or 19 year olds in, in Rosane or Kulik is a guy that they bring up, see if they can spark the offense and do some different things and at least kind of do a temperature check on that. It would be um, a good time to do it because you have in a few weeks, it'd be easy to send them back down. Tage Thompson gets healthy. Boom. Again, you're going with 11 forwards. Right. You have an extra defenseman and you have a guy that has 11 goals in the AHL right now. And they're not all power play goals. Tonight was a four on three in overtime, but I, I don't know. I mean, it just, it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, Benson being one of the better players, Bozo, oh, you already brought this up. And but I wanted to go back to this, by the way, because to your point, I'm glad you just mentioned Tage Thompson. Thompson being out has a lot to do with Benson being one of the better players right now. It's like another opportunity that Benson has in a series of opportunities that he's been given since really being drafted by the Sabres. Um, a lot of love, a lot of love for Benson. Um, one guy here, actually, let's throw this one up. And I, he, he meant, he means WHL, not WHA love Zach Benson scored, but I'd send him back to WHL. Just the same seems evident. This team needs experience. The organization needs to make that happen. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, Benson belongs here. I don't think that he goes back, but both of these comments can be true. They do need experience. And we've talked about that. We've talked about glue guys in the past. We've talked about, look, there, there's some fat to trim on the roster. You know, there is, that's part of the appeal of the Patrick King conversation is the experience, the cups, the swagger. Benson has swagger. Patrick Kane has swagger kind of changes the attitude a little bit. Let's not go down that path. Um, unless you want to, I'm always willing to talk about the Patrick Kane conversation, but it's more about the experience is why I mentioned Patrick Kane. Um, this is also another comment, I believe, on Benson. Solely from a GM standpoint, I would send him down, let him play with Savoy, and continue to help them as a future pairing. Um, yeah, yes or no. I'd rather see future pairings really develop at the AHL level, kind of what we're seeing with Rosane and Kulik right now. But I get it. I mean, look, again, I don't know if I'm overreacting to just one game. I don't believe I am. I don't believe I am. I think I that we've seen so. quite a bit from Zach Benson where I just think he belongs. Um in the NHL at the present time. Again, that and could change I would not, the wall. I would not base the decision on Matt Savoy and Zach Benson have plenty of chemistry right now. And to your point, we don't know that they'll play together in the NHL. There's a lot of combinations that could happen by the time those two are, you know, populating your top six in, a, in an ideal scenario, if everything breaks correctly in their development. So, and if it does happen where they end up on the same line in the NHL, I have very little doubt that they'll be able to pick up where they left off. So I, I would not base my decision on him getting more chemistry with Matt Savoy and them developing together in the WHL because they've already really done that to, especially Benson has clearly done that, uh, developed quite a bit. So they'll, if the, if that time comes, I have no doubt they'll click. 
Man, you weren't kidding. There is a lot on the 11-7 in the chat tonight. Um, feel free to to uh, throw up your favorite. But um, no, I wanted to clear out the chat and um, do a hard shift here. Um, let's change gears before we go gray, trying to figure out how they're going to do You know this roster construction Jenga <laughs> and keep three goalies and try to find a 12th forward that they have confidence in to put out there for the next game. Uh, maybe Friday in Pittsburgh. We'll see. Um, Jack Quinn. Let's talk about Jack Quinn. Hard shift. Hard shift. Let's cleanse. Let's kind of wash the funk off the 11-7. Weird math. Let's talk about uh, Jack Quinn came back on the ice today at practice. Cleared for shooting drills. Not cleared yet for contact. Good sign. Kind of works into what we were talking about. There's a, there's a forward that they we know that they can put in the lineup when he's healthy and ready to go. You hearing anything on Quinn? Has he? Uh, have you seen him on the ice on on his own when you were down there? I ask you every now and then on Quinn. I asked you about a month ago, way too early. But uh, let's let's do our routine checkup on Jack Quinn. What are you seeing or hearing? Yeah, start. He started the whole process a few weeks ago, I believe, if memory serves. I remember seeing his bag pop up, and it was like, ooh. There's this, there's the hockey bag, right? It's uh, he's going to start putting equipment on and doing things like that. And then, yeah, it was today in Washington and he spoke after practice and it just sounds like everything is status quo. Everything is on schedule. I don't know that he's dramatically ahead of schedule, but he's not behind schedule. He, he said when he got the surgery, his thought was January ish, mm -hmm. you know? So Nothing has happened to deter him from that. And he said in a few weeks, sometime in the next few weeks, he should be able to rejoin practice uh, and do team stuff. So he'll be out there for some morning skates, doing some individual stuff. But an actual practice might be a few weeks away. But, man, the closer and closer they get, they got to be so eager to get this guy back. I, you know, we knew it would create a hole in the lineup when he got injured, but the domino effect has been extreme. It ended up being a crater. Yeah. Really? That has impacted their ability to even ice 12 forwards sometimes. You know, it's... Uh, it's <laughs> you had to go back to the damn 11-7. It's... Uh, but the question for me becomes, you know, this is a guy that picked up you know picked up steam at the end of the year he was uh i actually had a stat pulled up i don't know if i still have it uh from february one on i think he's like if you go back to february one of last year to now i think he's like seventh on the team in points still he hasn't played this year so uh he had some good stretches at the end of the year he was starting to look like this clear breakout candidate, kind of like J.J. Paterka, right? You would expect Jack Quinn to have had similar production to J.J. Paterka. Are you going to get that right away? Are you, you know, how long is it going to take him to get up to speed and even just physically be the player that he was after dealing with that injury, missing so much time, and then talking about a young player in a, in a prime spot of his development. So, in an ideal world, you're plugging the Jack Quinn that you thought you were having entering this season before he got hurt. 
I just don't know that you can expect that right away. Maybe until like post all-star break, he'll start to find his groove. Yeah. And that's a long I thought time. That was good news. That's a long time <laughs> post all-star break. So I'm still asking prematurely. It sounds like though on Jack Quinn, you know, I asked you a month ago. And yes it was and way no. Premature, He's back on the know? ice. He's back on the ice yeah. with the team. I mean, that's a, that's a big deal, a big step. He's, you know, doing all hockey things again, but. My my question is when do you see Jack Quinn being Jack Quinn again? Maybe he's yeah. he's young. Maybe he can bounce back and maybe he'll jump right in there. But realistically, expecting him to solve all the problems the very second he steps back into the lineup, I don't know if that's a terrific plan. Because seems fair, right? All star break, post all star break, maybe he'll be back to being himself. You know, maybe late January. By then, if you haven't addressed anything and you're just waiting for Jack Quinn, that's all. There's going to be a lot of games. <laughs> exactly. There's going to be a lot of games played between now and late January. Yeah. And you could play yourself out of a playoff spot by that point. Yeah. You need basically need, if you're not going to do anything, you, you better hope that Tate Thompson is. 2022 23 Tage Thompson when he comes back and it's just again you know Tage Thompson 2022 23 against Detroit Tage Thompson like at least once a week right. um at this point so I don't know man um we're an hour in Matthew almost 53 minutes um I'm gonna keep going through the chat here real quick if you don't mind um Paul Rosado says, spoiler alert, Bakes, I'm watching that game now. I'm trying to think which one. Which one's which one's Paul Rosado talking about? Mm. Probably the Amherst game. Oh, oops. Yeah, probably. Sorry, buddy. Um, Blake Becker threw 15 AHL games. Yuri Kulik, 11 goals, 4 assists. Definitely has a Cy Young campaign going. Isak Rosane, 11 goals. Uh, seven, 7 goals, 11 assists. How much longer must we wait? I think we're, you know, we're getting closer. I like that they're, you know, that battle's just kind of heating up. Um, I was on Sabres Live yesterday with Duffer and Marty. Marty has this idea, and I know that he asked uh, Carmanos also today about bringing him up as a pair, you know, and like, it's just like a young team just gets younger if you do that. But when I was talking to Duffer and Marty about it, because um, Marty asked me the same question, you know, I still have Kulik fractionally ahead of Rosane. I think I've mentioned that before when you and I are together, but it's definitely a very narrow gap. I like the idea. I mean, they're, they're handcuffed together. They're developing together. Um, I just, man, I, you know, keep them hungry as long as you can. You know what I mean? Like it's good to kind of keep them down, keep them hungry, but to Blake's comment, I mean, they're, they're leading the attack down there. Um, they're going to run out of, you know, situations that they need to see a million times before they get their look. They're very close. Um, I don't think that they're all the way to being full-time contributors at the NHL by any means yet. You need to see it, get them up here. You need to see it to believe it, but um, worthy of a call, especially when you're, I'm going to go there. I'm going to go to the 11, seven again, when you're putting 11 forwards out there and seven defensemen. Yes. Um, I think why not? It kind of leads into Blake's other comment that he made, Matthew, I want to throw this up because we haven't talked about Peyton Krebs yet. What's Krebs role on this team? He's never going to crack the, crack the top six scratch tonight. Um, he's not a grinder. What do we do with them? We talked a little bit about Peyton Krebs, maybe two episodes ago. Now Don Granado today, 
I believe in his practice, post-practice or post-skate availability mentioned that it wasn't necessarily uh, an indictment on Krebs's play as much as it was needing to get Ryan Johnson in there. But what does it say about Krebs not being in the lineup and then to get Ryan Johnson in there, Ryan Johnson only plays 10 and a half or whatever it was minutes tonight. Now, again, I don't know, by the way, maybe there was something, I don't know. Did he take a, a puck off the boot? I don't know. Was Johnson out there late in the game? I don't know. I kind of had Amrick stuff going on to, I wasn't charting his ice time, but I don't think he got dinged up or anything like that. That led him to get only sub 11 minutes tonight. Johnson. I don't think so. Krebs did block a shot in practice, but then he played on Sunday. Right. So I, mm -hmm. he maybe is dealing with a little something. I didn't see Ryan Johnson. Anything happened to him at the end of the game, but to your point, you're only playing him 10 minutes. Yeah. Peyton Krebs is only playing about that uh maybe less in some games but it's hard to it's hard to say it's not about his play because you got to take a forward out of the lineup if you want to play seven defensemen so you're going to take the one out you're not going to take out you know it's not to say that he earned himself a healthy scratch but i think to blake's question this is the sympathy I have for Peyton Krebs right now. What is his role? Yeah. Without a defined role, it is hard for a player like that to impact the team positively, consistently. And last year, he had a role. Blake says he's not a grinder. He was a bit of a grinder last year. He's not your. I thought he learned to be a grinder last year in that yeah. role with Akposo and Gergensons. Yeah, he's not your prototypical grinder. He's not a big dude. He's not mm. a heavy hitter. He's a willing hitter. He he throws his body around. He's he's just not big. You know, he's he brings energy when he's on his game and, and he's a strong four checker. But he needs a more defined role, period. Whether that's, you know, that fourth line center, whether it's a, a third line wing type of role. But without that, absent a role, he is kind of wandering, it feels like in this lineup. It's part of what's frustrating about the lineup is that the bottom six is just a lot of players like that. Outside of, you know, Gergensen's and Ocposo, they are what they are, and they're probably not quite as strong at it as they were last year so far in terms of just being dominant defensively. But then you have a bit of a guessing game in some of these other spots. You have Victor Olofsson, who they made every effort to get out of the lineup. And now they have to play him. You know, you have Tyson Jost, who is bounced between lines. Uh, Greenway has spent some time down there uh, on the, the bottom six. Fits that third, you know, he fits. Tyson Jost fits. You'd like to find them a different winger probably than Victor Olofsson. Maybe that could be Krebs at some point. And then you need to, you know, still solidify the, if Jost is playing on the third line, then somebody needs to center the fourth line. So it's it's just this weird, game of whack-a-mole where they solve one problem and another one pops up it leads to more questions actually all these roster decisions i mean if i if you would have told me that tage thompson is out of the lineup and it doesn't lead to opportunity for peyton krebs and then they dress 11 for if he, assuming he's healthy it's not a good sign for peyton krebs right now it's not you know and yeah i don't know blake it's a good question what is and his it, role Right. right now, it's we don't know. <laughs> That's a question yeah. Peyton might be asking himself. 
What yeah. is, you know, and that's not a question you want anybody on your team asking good teams, you know, players know their <laughs> roles and, and there's different roles for different players, but much like with Savoy, I'm sure it is a little bit demoralized. There's a, a bittersweet aspect. If you're Peyton Krebs sitting in the press box, watching Zach Benson score that goal, right? Because Zach Benson is the one getting the opportunity that you mentioned created by the Tage Thompson injury. And he's capitalizing on it. Zach Benson yeah. got the opportunity that maybe Matt Savoy would have got at the beginning of training camp had he not got injured and he ran with it. So these two old junior mates of, of Benson in Winnipeg, he's passed them both. It's pretty wild. Like that. Yeah. I think that says a lot about Zach Benson. Maybe not so much about, you know, it Matt says, Savoy or even Peyton Krebs to that no, matter. I mean, that's I how it, special. It yeah. says everything about Zach Benson. I just wonder about the. You know, it's different for Yuri Kulik, right? In a sense, Zach Benson passed Yuri Kulik, but Yuri Kulik didn't play. Yuri Kulik didn't know Zach Benson as his, you know, what, 15, 16-year-old teammate, whatever he was. It's a little bit of a different uh, feeling. Although, if you're Peyton Krebs and Matt Savoy, you probably know. <clears throat> you probably saw some of this coming. Matt Savoy yeah. sees them pick Zach Benson and he thinks, I might come take my job in, in the fall, you know, like he's, he's a good player. They, these guys know him as well as anybody. So uh, it's, it's been a cool, cool ride for Zach Benson in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's been, it's been great to see story of the season thus far uh, an hour in, we will get to our friend Mitch here, janitor, janitor here. You guys are awesome. Listen to you at work. Um, he appreciates the dedication to the Sabres and the, the sacred faithful. Um, I'll make this short. Thank you for that comment. It's Thanksgiving Eve, aside from, you know, our health and our family and friends, thankful for the fans that have attached themselves to this podcast and my Prospect Avenue podcast every week. So that's a nice comment. Thanks, Mitch. We appreciate that. And um, hopefully we bring you uh, some entertainment while you're out there uh, sanitizing and making someone's space uh, useful. <laughs> I don't know. How to, I don't know where to go from that one. Um and hey, I'll be really quick on this since I do have a prospect podcast and I know there's people here for Sabres talk. I'll be really quick on this Noah Oslin question. How's Oslin looking this season? Does he look to project as the guy we drafted between Savoy and Kulik, both of whom were very close to earning a spot? Um, Oslin is doing fairly well. He's playing second line center in Sweden's top league. He's going to play likely in the, the number one center position for Sweden at the World Juniors coming up in a little over 30 days from now. Um Right now, currently, I, I'm still trying to get some information on it. Came out last Saturday. Um, didn't come out for the third period. He took a couple big hits in his game. And right now, he's out of the lineup. I suspect, I'm calling it upper. I suspect it's upper, like, above the neck. But I'm not certain on that yet. Um, so, you know, if that's the case, I don't know what that means for him in World Juniors. But overall, he's uh, he looks good. He's I think that he's right there in line in that draft position. Um, but we'll see. He has to get bigger. He has to get stronger. He gets knocked around a lot, but he doesn't let his lack of size kind of like Benson. It doesn't preclude him from participating in battle, but he's taken a beating. Not all the injuries that he's had in the past two years have been from getting hit and are, are due to lack of size. I mean, he's gotten hit in the head and in the face with pucks twice. So I want to be careful there, uh, just deeming him injury prone, but the, you know, again, his lack of size does not help them though. Also, he just needs to get stronger. And that's what, that's really the biggest reason he stayed back this year. 
for anyone curious was to get good reps in a good league, but really the emphasis was all about uh, strength conditioning for him this year. Um, we got a comment here. Yeah, go ahead, man. We had one more fact or fiction that we did not get to. We did. Yeah, we did. Um, I'll throw that up. It's a hard shift, but we were talking a lot about, you know, you're missing Tage and I'm kind of curious what you think. So I'll just throw it up. And I like the fans. I'd like the, um, the chat to participate in this one too. Okay. So I'll throw it up on the screen on the topic of the forwards. So we're 19 games into the season. I hope this was the fact or fiction that you were thinking of Matthew. Um, fact or fiction. It's on the topic of the best forward this season. Fact or fiction. Casey Middlestat has been the Sabres best forward this season. Matthew fact or fiction. Start to finish. (laughs) I'm going to say fact. And I, I say that because there was a stretch of games where Tage Thompson was this team's best forward, but he is now injured and he had a bit of a slow start. I still think Tage Thompson, when he is healthy, is the team's best forward and was playing as such during that stretch. So I don't want this to be uh, twisted in that way. But Casey Middlestat, start to finish, steady as he as he comes in all areas of the ice, I think has been this team's best forward, particularly because he's doing a ton of his damage at five on five. Uh, yeah. Since February one, I brought that up with with Jack Quinn because I was looking at that stat with Casey Middlestat, and then I saw Jack Quinn, and I was like, "How is he still all the way up there? Hasn't even played this year." But Casey Middlestat, since February first, leads the team in even strength points. He's picked right picked up right where he left off. And, you know, we obviously had a, a deep, deep dive discussion on Casey Middlestat and the contract and mm-hmm. you know what you do with him if you don't want to sign all that stuff. But I had some texts that people didn't like some of the, that <laughs> conversation. Uh, but, but yeah, please continue. Sorry. You know, just, I, I, it, you, it brought up old like lumps that I was some getting. Some trauma. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, it, but it's a fascinating conversation because the longer he plays like this, the higher his price tag goes. and But the more the rest of the forward group plays like it is, the more valuable he he becomes in the short and potentially the long term. So I'm going fact. And I'm a, I was a little on the fence, but there, there's just says a little something about the rest of the forward group that there's not a lot of other strong candidates. There is... Um... So I think, you know, to qualify for this again, game one through game 19, I think a consistency, I think a production, I think a value to the lineup. I think making your teammates better, your line mates better. Casey Middlestat, when I crafted that question, Casey Middlestat was the guy I had in mind. There's one other guy though, that I really think fits all that criteria also. And that's JJ Paterka. I think JJ Paterka is right up there. If you look in stretches, right? Beginning of the season, Jeff Skinner and Casey Middlestat, I thought were the two best players the first five, six games of the year. Skinner's kind of gone dry a little bit lately, I want to say, right? I haven't looked at his game log lately. And this is kind of the, I, I can't imagine, you know, he had on a, the on a tough, uh, we didn't talk about his against Boston, his, his back check that went semi viral. Or his lack of back check that went semi-viral, oh. uh, the uh, yes. controller unplugged moment, and 
that is what would remove Jeff Skinner from the con not that play, but in no, general. But th yeah. That's yep. what removes him from the conversation for me, as productive as he is as a goal scorer. Casey Middlestat, I think, brings a little bit more jam to to Mitch's point. Uh he he says Casey Middlestat. He goes with fact on that because he's so consistent and he's a dog. And he is. Yeah. He is a, of the Sabres forwards. One of the guys you can rely on to to win battles. Uh, adding that element to his game has been huge. So Skinner, not really a candidate for me, but J.J. Paterka absolutely was because of what some of the same things, the compete and the the savvy plays that are impacting the game in other ways. He has been the one of – he's top two, three forward, I think, inarguably. Balance of, of goals and assists also. Scoring some big goals, first goals, which are important – um, I, he's right up there with me. I mean, I love, I mean, I'm so happy for Casey Middlestat to see him really get it going really at the, you know, midpoint last year and on, he's been excellent. Um, and again, in full disclosure, I was on the fact train. I still might be, I think you're kind of talking me into it, but I wanted to throw Paterk in the hopper and it's not just the year over year growth. It's that criteria that I set for consistency game one through 19, making your line mates better effort, two-way play, the whole deal. There hasn't been many lulls in his game. You know, like if we talk about Skinner kind of trending and then it kind of goes up and down and all over the place, it's erratic. You know, it's like an airplane. He's at 33,000 feet, down to 25, right. you know, 20,000. What an asshole. Like, I don't say that with um, Paterka. You know what I mean? Um, Tuck had some good spells, but the beginning of the season disqualifies him for me. Absolutely. Tuck's been good lately. Um, but again, so I just wanted to have that question now. We're at the, you know, basically the 25, we're at the quarter mark. I don't want to say quarter poll. We have a mutual uh, friend that will berate, berate me if I say that. Love Tim Graham. Yeah. Tim Graham does not. I mean, to his point, it is factually incorrect to call this. And Cummings. Poll. Where is Cummings tonight, by the way? He's also another guy that he, I said quarter poll one time like two years ago. And, and it remembered, I remembered uh, getting yelled at from him as well. He tweeted at us that he will be participating in a passive fashion because he found a better use of his time tonight. So he said... I think he means he found a better use of his time in terms of watching the game. So he said he will be uh, ceding the floor to us um, since we sat through the game. So he must have not watched the game, which is why uh, oh. he's not. He doesn't have his his takes at the ready for the chat. But as long as he's uh, not cheating on us, because remember he left us and came back, and he's like, "I can't believe you true. guys are still going." And I was right. like, "Wait a minute!" I, and he was temporarily banned there for like is. thirty seconds. There is Cummings. <laughs> All right, we love you, Brian. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. By the way, we're an hour and eleven minutes in, Matthew. Let's keep going. Oh my God! Hey, we have a green chat on here, Matthew. We have received our first ever super chat. Oh yeah, would you look at that? Eden Stems edition, love it. Nice <laughs> reference from very early on in the uh, the early days of this podcast. Hope the knee gets gets better, Chris. Yeah, it's still still rough shape. Walking the dog's been really really hard. Matt, you rock. I agree. Love the pod. Fact on Casey, he agrees. Okay, so I think you already yeah you saw that. Uh, and Mitch, yeah, thank you for the five dollar super chat. That's that's uh, beautiful. That is our first ever super chat. We're gonna frame that one. You know how like uh, restaurant on the fridge, yeah. <laughs> We're gonna. I'm gonna print that up, man. Screenshot that. Um, 
Paul Rosado agrees that JJ's a solid pick. Yeah, JJ or Casey for me, I guess that'll be, you know, we're going to revisit that. We're going to do Factor Fiction again, maybe another 10-game block, um, you know, when we maybe do our uh, mid-season awards or, you know, we get to the Christmas season. We got to talk about that, the schedule. Well, I don't know what you're willing to talk about on that, but um, that's going to get a little interesting. Um Blake says JJ finally trusting his shot. Cousins Quinn, JJ going to be a good line for a long time when Quinn comes back. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I went there a while ago, even though, again, the Quinn thing is a little far off, but I kind of like that idea. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm with you. I you, Get the That's band the, back together on that, that one. The main, get the band back together. JJ trusting his shot is the main thing early in the season, probably for the first few games that, I was, you know, just waiting for him to shoot more. And finally, as soon as once he started, uh, it's working. And yeah, this would be a much different team if Jack Quinn never got hurt. And if Dylan Cousins had started the season, if that line could have picked up where they left off last season without that, things have gotten dicey because probably what they need more than anything is for Dylan cousins to start playing more like Dylan cousins on a consistent basis with the face shield, whatever else, you know, that's why that goal tonight felt important, you know, start getting him going again because you can't have him going a month between goals. Random question out of the blue that we didn't talk about, not in our show notes. I think we're almost, I think we cleaned out our show notes. Uh, I told you I was going to check in periodically on neck guards. Still only anything? I still only see Henry Okiharyu. That's the only really? the only one I've seen. Connor Clifton tried one out. Darlene tried one out, but in terms of the games, the only one I've seen consistently wearing it is Yokiharyu. And he has been super consistent with it. Cousins should have taken the opportunity when he was adjusting to the cage and the bubble and all that to adjust to the neck guard at the same time. I don't Just kill two birds with one stone. I don't know why the cage is such a problem because Dylan the Cousins chin. was the chin, but did you, I don't know if you saw tonight, if you've gotten a close look at him, he's kind of wearing it like, like the cool kids always wore it growing up where it's not really snug to your chin. Oh and if yeah. It, I hate that. And so if it were snug to your chin, I don't think the vision problems are as dramatic as pronounced and dramatic as, as he's suggesting, but yet if it's loose, of course it's going to be a problem. It's going to be, that would drive me nuts, man. So I get it. He's used to playing with a half shield. I don't know. I, I would go with the cage, but yeah. you know, that's a big adjustment. The whole thing will probably be coming off soon enough anyways. And being the, the Yukoner and the Western hockey leaguer that he is, I'm sure he, He's eager to throw that thing in the garbage. Yeah, he's a tough, rugged little bastard. I think he's probably pretty much ready to get rid of that thing. Um, let's see. Darlene has also been consistently great this season. Uh, yeah, I mean, Sabres MVP through 19 yeah, games. absolutely. You know what I mean? I mean, pretty clear, right? Uh, Gmail account, great name. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Um Fiction on Middlestat. This goes back to the factor fiction. Middlestat has been the best forward again consistently. That's three shots in his last 80 minutes on the ice since Tage's injury. 
Well, you know, you got to remember too, I think, you know, th there's something he's going to have to fight through. He has to step up for sure. You know, without Tage being in the lineup, teams know that the Sabres are, are short on guys that you need to key on. And the obvious place to key on is a guy like Casey Middlestad. So not surprising in a way, but I agree. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a number worth pointing out if that is indeed the stat. That's probably the um, most valid criticism. I think of Casey Middlestat is he's not going to be your top shot attempt guy. And you'd like to yeah. maybe get to that place because that's when guys can really, you know, start jumping tears. Right. And you saw it with Alex Tuck and Tage Thompson the last few seasons, Casey Middlestat's got a pretty good shot when he wants to, when he wants to use it, would certainly love to see him shoot more. One of those guys that, you know, when they started doing cone drills years ago, probably when Middlestad was at Eden Prairie, you know, they get the cone in front of you and you got to change your shooting angle. He does it all the time now, right? Every time he releases the puck, so many guys do that now. Um, he's made it a thing on every shot and that's what makes it a little bit deceptive when he does use it. Um, hey, I, a Gmail account, by the way, is that Spike? Pop a comment in there. I'm kind of curious if that's Spike Gmail account. Um, Matthew, anything else? Uh, hour and 17 in. I'm uh, pretty much tapped out. I watched a lot of hockey today, man. I had Poltapov today early. I had Mariala. I cut up some games yesterday. I think I did six or seven games. I was juggling the Amherst game with the Sabres game. I love everyone here, and I love you, but I'm also I'm hockeyed out. That's uh, a long day of hockey for you. It's uh, it is. It's a great vacation day for me. And it's gonna be a. It's gonna be a busy weekend of hockey for the Sabres. They go Friday, Saturday, Monday, <clears throat> Pittsburgh, New Jersey, New York, I believe. So that's uh, not an easy stretch of hockey coming up, and they need to stack some wins. Teams that they'll be battling with for while, well, probably not wild card spots in New York and New Jersey's case, but in Pittsburgh's case, potentially. Yeah, that's tough, man. Pittsburgh at home, Jersey Rangers on the road, then they continue the road, St. Louis and Carolina. I am uh, out of town for a couple days next week. You and I will talk. We got to we gotta do this more regularly. I think uh, once a week is probably not enough, but you know, I don't know. I think the chat will tell us if I'm right or wrong on that one. We'll see. Maybe we can squeeze another one in before I head out of town, but we'll figure that out. Um, I'm, I think we're good, man. I think this was another good talk. I think we covered a lot of ground tonight, covered our goaltending, our favorite topic. We talked about my second favorite topic, Ryan Johnson. We're trying to figure out what the hell's going on with this 11-7 thing, and we still don't know. So we have storylines to follow up on. Um, Thanksgiving is always, it's the beginning of the season. I have seven online shopping carts filled with stuff. So... All the more reason why I appreciate that $5 super chat. <laughs> I, uh, that'll help, you know, some of the, some of the socks I'm redoing everything, man. Socks. I got, I got a shopping cart going with like six different winter hats. It's I'll tough trim to it down to like track. three. Yeah. It's tough to keep track of all the sales, everything you need to buy. <laughs> My wife has been way ahead of the Christmas shopping this year. So that's been, we're almost I say we're almost done. I feel like she really, you know, took the charge there and and did mo did a lot of it. But that's a good feeling heading into Thanksgiving with a lot of that stuff under the belt. Now, just scoping out some sales. You know, probably gonna snag snag a few things here in the next couple of days and 
and get ready for a busy weekend of hockey. Yep. I'm here for that. Um, I think that's it, man. I'm going to go and uh, limp around the block with the dogs. Aspen uh, did not eat today. She finally ate right before we hopped on here to record her first meal of the day. She hasn't been feeling great. So I'm gimping around with a bad knee. She's got a bug. Tito's the one holding the fork down, man. He's been, been hanging loose, keeping us going. So he's he's sitting right here looking at me. So I think he's ready to go. He heard W-A-L-K. I think on that note, any any parting shots, Matthew, for you before we close it out? I've got nothing. I think we hit it all. So we will talk to talk to our our fearless listeners very soon. Yeah. Thank you as always for hopping in. We appreciate the chats, the interaction. That's a big part of what we do here on the Baker Fairburn hockey show. Uh, be on the lookout for the next episode coming up. That's going to close it out for us tonight for Matthew Fairburn for the production crew stalking me in the truck in front of my house. I'm Chris Bo Baker. Hey, Oh yeah. It's definitely time to shut it down. We'll see you guys next time.